0: Welcome back to another episode of Functioning Autoimmune. I'm so happy to have you here with me again today. On today's episode, I want to talk to you a little bit about gallbladder disease, the celiac connection between celiac and gallbladder disease, as well as the autoimmune connection between autoimmune disease and gallbladder disease. So like many of you who are listening, I also no longer have my gallbladder. Several years ago, I had it removed. And I know that there are so many people out there that have gone through similar stories between, you know, trying to figure out what their gastrointestinal issues are and it it often gets blamed on the gallbladder and sometimes rightfully so. Sometimes our gallbladder acts up and so it does need to be taken out. What I wish I had known years ago before I agreed to having my gallbladder taken out or really more importantly before I got to the point where my gallbladder needed to be removed, what I wish I had known was celiac is actually a big component of your gallbladder having issues. So if you have celiac disease, but it's well-managed, you know that you have it, you've had the diagnosis for a long time, you eat a gluten-free diet, you really take care to keep your celiac in control, then a lot of times your gallbladder isn't affected and you can manage it pretty well without losing your gallbladder. For a lot of us, though, when we go undiagnosed with celiac for years and years... And we don't really realize what's going on in our bodies. So maybe, you know, for some people, you continue eating uh, gluten-filled foods or grains or things that are upsetting your stomach that are really upsetting the celiac and those types of issues are flare-ups, but you don't know that because you've never been diagnosed with celiac disease. And so you're in that, that area of trying to figure out what's going on with you. And so that's a lot of us for a long time. And so the last thing for many of us that comes to mind is the possibility that we have celiac disease. And so when we're in that stage and we go to the doctor, and I'll kind of tell you my story a little bit, is, you know, I was having all these gastrointestinal issues. I was having like massive pain all the time, almost like debilitating pain in my side and in my stomach. And I could not figure it out. If I ate food, it hurt. If I didn't eat food, it hurt. <laughs> it basically was just hurting all the time. And, you know, of course I went to my doctor and said, Hey, look, this is, this is going on. I was sent to a specialist who I actually have told the story about him a little bit in a different context, but he was the first gastrointestinal specialist that I went to that um, he, he didn't know me. He had never met me before. This was my first ever visit with him. And the only thing he knew at the, at the time that we met was that I was having severe pain and, and gastrointestinal issues. That's that's totally the history that he knew, and he said to me, "What you know, what's going on with you?" And I said, "I'm having all these pain and and you know every time I eat it doesn't matter. My stomach's hurting and you know all these things." And he literally looked straight at me and said, "Well, if you ate a better diet, you wouldn't have this issue." Uh, <laughs> so I've mentioned him before because literally that was the first moment probably in my entire life that I lost like complete trust in, in physicians. And, you know, during this time, I didn't work in healthcare. I was in school and on my way to working in healthcare. And so I had, you know, been to clinicals and practice sites and things like that. So I had been around it a little bit, but I hadn't been working in the healthcare field for years. So I didn't know really, that there are good doctors and bad doctors. (laughs) And so, um, so yeah, so that was the first time I was like, I, okay, I can't trust all these people. This was terrible. It was awful. And of course I never went to see him again. And I went back to my regular doctor and kind of told her the story at, you know, a few weeks later and because I was still in so much pain and she couldn't believe that that happened to me. And so she decided to order basically every gastrointestinal test on the planet. You know, I had endoscopies. I had, you know, fluoroscopies where I, you know, drank all this fluid and then they did x-rays to see if anything was coming back up. They checked for reflux. They they gave me medication for indigestion. They tested for basically anything that could go wrong in your gastrointestinal tract, they tested for. At one point I asked her because I was diagnosed with a wheat allergy um, very, very young, so around three years old. And so I asked her, is it possible that I have celiac disease since I was diagnosed with this wheat allergy as a child? And she said, no, I don't think it's possible. You would know by now most people are diagnosed as children, And but we'll test you just because we're doing all these other tests. And so, you know, at that point I thought, okay, well, it's probably not possible that I have this, you know, celiac so anyway, so all these tests came back negative, negative, negative. They couldn't find anything. They were throwing, you know, acid blockers at me. They were throwing this for indigestion, this for reflux, this for, you know, gas, this for stomach pain. Oh and take ibuprofen, oh and take, you know, all these things. And at one point I had probably six different stomach medications, and I I'm not the kind of person that likes to take medication like literally me taking my supplements is like a really strong struggle because I don't I just don't like taking medications but I know that the supplements are good for me anyway I digress um so anyway so all these tests were coming back negative they couldn't find anything they had me on this all this medication because they didn't know what else to do my celiac test came back borderline for the second time and which don't get me started on that um there's no such thing as borderline celiac if you have it you have it if you don't you don't Okay, so if anybody ever tells you you're borderline, treat yourself like you do. (laughs) I hate that. I absolutely hate that category. Um, So they came back borderline. She said, you don't have celiac, but you're very close. You're kind of in this middle ground. And I asked her, I didn't understand exactly what the heck that meant. She's like, oh, it's probably just your allergy, you know, skewing the data. Okay, well, probably not. But, you know, whatever. What did I know at that point? So anyway, um... What I wish I had known was that one, I I had celiac, even though I knew that I had a wheat allergy as a child, you know, you go through your preteens and your teenage years and you kind of rebel and you want to eat what everyone else is eating. So I definitely had times in my life when I ate gluten and I ate wheat and I ate things that I wasn't supposed to. And, you know, and they took their toll on me during that time. You know, I had, you know, stomach flare ups and things like that. And so during all of those tests and and being told like, oh, you're borderline celiac, I thought, okay, I need to take my wheat allergy seriously. I need to assume that I have celiac because she's telling me that I'm borderline and I need to treat myself that way. And so, you know, for the most part I did, although I was still kind of irritated and frustrated because I still felt like I wasn't being heard. And I think a part of that was I knew what I needed to be doing, but I also wanted to prove them wrong, and so I ate really well for the most part, but there were always still times when I didn't, and I think a part of that too was, you know, even though I had a wheat allergy as a child, in my teen years, I was pretty much allowed to do whatever I wanted, so I didn't really learn all of the different places that wheat and gluten could be hidden, and so, you know, I never checked condiments like ketchup and and barbecue sauces and things like that. I never thought to even look at my shampoos or my lotions or, you know, the fact that certain ice creams have gluten in them or, you know, maybe I'm eating this Twizzlers that my friend gave me at the movies and it has gluten in it. I mean, I didn't, I had no idea to look at all of these crazy places that this stuff could be hidden. I just didn't think about it. And so even though I thought I was eating a fairly clean diet of gluten and wheat, I was actually still contaminated because I didn't know of all these hidden triggers. And so what I ended up learning is, you know, I was sent back to my doctor to give me all of these results. And I told her, you know, you've given me this lineup of medication and nothing is working. And so finally, I think she just got sick of me. And she said, here's the number to the surgeon. This is who I refer people to when they need to have their gallbladder out just go talk to him. See what he thinks. If he wants to take it out, then take it out. You know, it, Just go see him. So it was basically like, I don't know what to do with you. you know, everything's coming back normal and you're just continuing to come and complain, basically. So a few days later, I went to go see the surgeon and he was amazing. He was probably the sweetest person I had met at that point. like Just so sweet. And I went in there and I kind of gave him the lowdown of my story and all these tests I'd had and all of this stuff. And I probably told him way more than he ever wanted to know. And he said to me, I cannot promise you that it's your gallbladder. So if I take it out, I can't promise that your pain's going to go away. But I also can't promise you that it's not. He said, I don't know for a hundred percent if it is or it isn't. And I don't want you to go into surgery thinking that you're going to be completely better and then come out and still be in pain. So I want you to decide for yourself if you want to have it taken out or not and he gave me his personal cell phone number he said think about it for a few days let me know what you think he said and just give me a call on my cell phone if you decide you want to take your gallbladder out and I thought wow this is this is crazy not only did he give me like his cell phone number but he's he's being straightforward like I don't know if it's going to help you or not but I'm willing to do it so you know I pretty much had decided that I was not going to my my gallbladder taken out. I didn't want to have this surgery for no reason. I didn't want to go through all of this recovery and all of this for for nothing. And so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. And so I kind of went about normal life for like another week, week and a half or so. And one day I was just in so much pain, I could barely stand up straight. And so that day I picked up my phone, I called him and said, take it out. I don't care. I have to try something. And he He answered the phone. He scheduled me. Two days later, I was in the hospital having surgery. So I went in just really hopeful. I didn't know if it was going to make me better or not. And I came out of surgery. And when I was finally kind of awake, he came in and he said, he said, I almost guarantee you that you're going to feel a hundred times better having your gallbladder out. It was three times the size it should have been. And it was filled with gallstones. Now, mind you, I had had ultrasounds, I had had scans, I had had gallbladder tests, all of these things that are supposed to determine if my gallbladder is the problem or not, that all came back normal. And so they were all telling me that it it probably wasn't my gallbladder. And so he said, he said, I haven't seen a gallbladder that inflamed in a really long time. And if this isn't what's causing your pain, I'm going to be really surprised. And I was just shocked, like how the heck had, you know, at that point, I'm like early 30s. Um, how the heck had I destroyed or had such an issue with my gallbladder at such a young age? I was fairly healthy that I thought, um, you know, I had two children. I had obviously gone through, you know, a couple of pregnancies and I worked out regularly. I watched what I ate. So I'm like, what the heck, how could this have happened? And I really started thinking back and and trying to figure out what could have went wrong to make my gallbladder be, become such a mess and turn on me. And now over the years of studying and reading about autoimmune disease and talking to people and just with all the research I've discovered that a lot of times if you have undiagnosed celiac specifically, but a lot of other autoimmune diseases are also in this category. But if you go undiagnosed for long enough, the inflammation in your body has to find some some outlet, right? So we know with autoimmune disease, a lot of times it's attacking a certain area of our body. So with rheumatoid arthritis, it's our joints. With Hashimoto's, it's our thyroid. So there's something that it it tends to target towards. And so with undiagnosed celiac, yes, of course, your, your digestive tract becomes inflamed and angry and you have issues, but your gallbladder is used to produce bile and the bile is produced to help your body break down fats and food, right? So that's what bile does. And the reason that we can live without our gallbladder is because the liver is actually the backup bile maker. So without a gallbladder or with a gallbladder that's not sufficiently working, the liver kicks in and produces bile to help us digest food. And so basically what's happening is our body is so inflamed and the celiac has made our entire digestive system, like the whole system that works together, just angry and inflamed and a mess and confused. And it ends up kind of backing into our gallbladder. And so our gallbladder gets so inflamed and so angry that these stones start to form. It gets, you know, swollen, so much inflammation. And then we end up with gallbladder disease. Now, some of us are lucky enough to catch it early to where. You know, maybe we can do some different treatments, change our diets, change our lifestyle, and save our gallbladder. And some of us aren't that lucky. Some of us catch it way later to the point where we're having debilitating pain and we don't have any other option but to take it out because it's in such bad state, which is pretty much where I was. So what what I wish I had known back then was, one, I wish I had taken my wheat allergy more serious through my teen years, which is hard to say because teens will be teens, right? Um, I wish I had taken it more seriously during that time and really focused on on keeping those foods out so that it didn't increase my inflammation to where it was like a chronic level. I also wish I knew initially when I was told that I was borderline celiac that that meant I had celiac disease. Um, and I didn't really, I didn't really understand that. I mean, I figured I did, but I didn't really understand it until I really started studying it. And I really started learning about celiac and autoimmune disease. And so I really wish going back that I had known that. So does everyone who has gallbladder disease have an undiagnosed autoimmune disease? Probably not. I mean, there are people out there who, who probably just have, you know, issues with their gallbladder. And I think that that's probably the case. But I think a large portion, and I only say this because... We have over 100 diagnosable autoimmune conditions that we are aware of to date. Okay, over 100. And we're adding to that list almost daily. And we have 50 million people who have an autoimmune condition or multiple autoimmune conditions. And that number grows daily. And so, I mean, we have an epidemic of autoimmune conditions and celiac is probably one of the top. If we really, really paid attention and diagnosed properly, celiac is probably one of the top autoimmune diseases. And if we really focused on when someone starts having gastrointestinal issues or is having a food sensitivity or is, you know, any signs, there's so many different signs. Acne can be a sign. Uh, food food sensitivities, food allergies, gastrointestinal issues, constipation, diarrhea, chest pain, like, and I don't mean like heart attack, but I mean like indigestion type chest pain, um, acid reflux, all of these things are actually pretty good indicators of celiac or other digestive issues. And so a lot of times we're just given acid blockers or we're given Gasex or we're given, you know, something to stop the heartburn to band-aid it. We're not actually taught how to figure out what's really going on. And a lot of times we're told, oh, well, you have an overproduction of acid in your stomach, so we have to reduce that. Or you have an underproduction of acid in your stomach, we have to reduce that. But nobody goes about finding out why. Why Why do you think I have more acid in my stomach than I'm supposed to have? Why do I not have enough? You know, no one ever asks why. And a lot of times the doctors don't know the answer. So it's kind of a, a vicious circle, right? So what I wish that I had known and what I hope that a lot of you will know before it gets to that point is if you're having those types of issues, there's something going on. Okay. Our our gastrointestinal tract is almost like foolproof. Like it, it, nature, nature didn't make a mistake. Like it knew that you need to eat food and it needs to go into the stomach where there's stomach acid. And it knew the stomach acid needed to be there to break down that food so that when it hit your intestines, it could then be parted out, right? So that waste continues on and vitamins and minerals are pulled out and, and brought into your body. So it it is built and designed in a way that functions to keep us healthy and keep us alive and to keep us nourished. And so if something's going wrong in that system, then there's something causing it. It's not just, oh, your ha- your body happens to produce too much stomach acid. That's not that's not the case. There's a reason. There's some reason why your body is producing more stomach acid. And usually it's a protective mechanism. Your body is producing more because something's going wrong and it wants to help you. And so what I employ all of you guys to do is, is if you're having gastrointestinal issues and you haven't been tested for celiac or for food sensitivities or for food allergies, for that matter, is, is that let that be your first step. Yes, obviously, you know, you can have all those other tests done. I mean, obviously, you want to make sure that it's not anything more serious. And there's so many different tests out there that you can have. They can, you know, ultrasound your gallbladder. They can ultrasound pretty much any part of your digestive tract. And there's several different tests that they can do to try and find issues. But I think a lot of people bypass checking for celiac or food sensitivities or food allergies as not possibly being the cause of something what seems so common as, you know, heartburn or indigestion. When really, that is really likely to be the root cause of the issue. And so I really want you guys to to make sure and not overlook those things because they can be so simple to just check. I mean, these days there are at-home food sensitivity tests that you can take. You can go see an allergist and they will do a full allergy panel on you. Um, you can, you know, ask for a celiac test and the doctors will pretty much, if you tell them you've been having gastrointestinal issues, you usually can find someone these days that will do that for you. And, you know, just, just to make sure, just to, you know, try and find the root cause of what's really going on with you because there's, there's something, there's something causing your digestive tract to go haywire. Another thing I want to point out too is food sensitivities often don't, show up like we think they would. So what I mean by that is, you know, I, I am allergic to wheat. And so as a child, I was, as a child, I was, um, basically sick all the time. I mean, I had ear infections chronically. I had tubes in my ears two or three times. I had, you know, I think my eardrums ruptured like three or four times as a child. And you know, that's a big deal because the more your eardrum ruptures, the more chance you have of hearing loss and things like that. And so, you know, then it was like strep throat. I got strep throat every year, strep throat multiple times a year. I can't even tell you, I probably lived on antibiotics as a child. Like I can't even tell you how much antibiotics I had when I was little. I actually thought that, you know, the pink antibiotics um, that they always give kids, that's in a little bottle that you, you know, it's liquid and you keep it in the fridge and um, usually it's amoxicillin, although there's a couple of different ones now, but, um, I, I actually thought that was normal. I thought all kids took that. That was like a normal everyday thing to me. And that is sad. That's an antibiotic <laughs> that like I practically lived on. And so, you know, it's just, it's different types of things. But what finally led the doctor to, to test my food allergy was because I was sick so often and they could not figure out what the heck was going on. And so finally, one of the doctors Um, and, and this is kind of a miracle because it was in the early eighties, but finally, one of the doctors said, let's check for food allergies. And lo and behold, they found it and removed it. And my ear infections like stopped. Like, I mean, it was almost like overnight this, as soon as I stopped eating wheat, it was like, there was no more ear issues. And, you know, similarly, my son has um, an intolerance to milk and, he was having ear infections (laughs) and, um, you know, had tubes in his ears and was having issues and eardrums rupturing. And so of course, luckily I had been through that before. And so I requested, um, allergy testing and the doctor was like, no, it's not likely that it's an allergy. And I kind of told them my story and they were like, okay, well, I guess we'll test him. And so, yeah, so he's, you know, he's very, very sensitive to milk. He can have it occasionally, but if He has very much. He gets a rash and he starts, you know, having issues. And so food allergies show up in very strange ways. I mean, you would think sort of I think we think along the lines of like anaphylactic shock, right, where if someone's allergic to peanuts and they eat it, they automatically start swelling, um, having, you know, like a big rash on their face or trouble breathing or things like that. But that's not always how it shows up. I mean, obviously, that's that's possible. And that's a very, very serious food allergy but that's not always how it shows up. It can manifest itself in so many different ways to, you know, rashes, um, phlegm, like excess phlegm or mucus in your mouth where you're coughing a lot. It can be gastrointestinal issues. It can be, you know, pain in your joint, joints, swelling or pain in your joints. So if you eat certain things and then all of a sudden you feel really stiff and like it hurts to bend your elbows or things like that, headaches can be a sign, um, not being able to sleep, fatigue. There's, I mean, there's just so many signs. Acne is a sign of um, inflammation caused by food sensitivities. And so they show up for everybody a little bit different and they show up basically like any way you can think of. And so I think that it's really important to never, if you're having issues, to never overlook the possibility that it's it's a food allergy, food sensitivities, or possibly celiac. Celiac is one of the most undiagnosed autoimmune conditions out there. And that is partially because when it's overlooked, people don't think about it. Unless there's a family history of celiac, doctors don't usually think about it. And so it goes undiagnosed for years for many people. Also, it is one of those things that if you go and you get tested for it and they tell you that you're borderline or you're within a normal range, um, you actually can have celiac and, and be told that you don't. And so it's really, it's really important to get your test results. Don't just take the doctor's word for it. Not that they mean harm. I think they, they mean well, it's just they, this is what they know. Um, but, but when you get your lab work back or your test results back, don't just have them call you and say everything's normal. Request your actual values. That way you can look at them. You can look at your values. There are many websites. There are a lot of great resources, you know, myself, other functional medicine coaches, functional medicine doctors, um, integrative nutritionists, functional medicine nutritionists. There's tons of people out there that have lab values that you can compare your labs to or you can reach out to someone and have them help you with your lab value. There's lots of people out there that can help do that. And so if you get a celiac test done and you get those values back and you get a phone call that says you're normal, ask for those values and then you know ask for a second opinion based on those values or look up the functional medicine version of those values yourself so that you can determine if you are in fact borderline which i don't like that word <laughs> um because remember if you're borderline you're celiac um so that way you can at least find out if you're celiac or not and it really really goes a long way to saving your gallbladder if you can determine what those food allergies and sensitivities are or if you have celiac early on because it will literally save the life of your gallbladder because your gallbladder takes the brunt of all that inflammation and all those issues and so you know (laughs) it's really the first line of defense in saving your gallbladder so I really hope that you guys can do that if you're someone who's already having severe stomach pain you're already having issues with your digestion you're already seeing a doctor they're telling you there's no chance that it's your gallbladder um ask for more tests. I mean, seriously, more often than not, I've talked to so many people, even in the last couple of months who were told there's no way that it was their gallbladder was the issue. And, you know, weeks later they were in the hospital having it removed. So ask for as many tests as possible. If, if you're not getting anywhere, ask for a second opinion, have somebody else check it out for you. It's okay to see one doctor and them tell you, no, you're fine and go see another one. It's totally okay to get a second opinion. And you know, get, get the right test. Like I said, I had every test there was. I literally had ultrasounds of my gallbladder and they all said there's nothing in there. There's no, there's no inflammation, there's no swelling, there's no gallstones, everything looks fine. And then when the surgeon took it out, he said it was literally full of stones and three times the size it was supposed to be. In my mind, I'm thinking, you should be able to see that on an ultrasound. Like you should be able to measure my gallbladder and you should be able to see all those stones. But the fact of the matter is, you know, depending on how my gallbladder was was positioned when they ultrasound it, it could have measured normal and they just didn't see all the swelling um, towards the back end. It could have been so full of gallstones that it looked like, you know, one one big (laughs) substance because there should be liquid in there. Right. There's bile. Um, So it, it really there's no way to know. So as for ask for all the tests, get your get your sensitivity test done, and really just don't give up. If you know something is wrong with your body and you don't feel right and something feels wrong, don't give up. Don't let them tell you that you're fine if you know that you're not. Keep asking questions and keep getting tests. And, and really, I mean, food sensitivity seems like just the easiest thing, and it's so overlooked. And I really, it's one of the first things I tell people to do is have their their food allergy and sensitivity test done. Because it, it, it can cause so, so many issues in so many different parts of your body. And if you can cut those foods out, it makes such a huge difference. Um, so that is kind of the basics between gallbladder disease and celiac. And so I hope I helped you guys out a little bit. I've heard a lot about this in the last few months. So I hope that Someone out there needed this information, and I hope that it helps you out. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you next time. Goodbye. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. With 75 absorbable vitamins and minerals in just one scoop per day. I've increased my energy, immune function, and so much more. AG is a non-negotiable part of my daily routine. For your own risk-free AG plus 20% off and free vitamin D3 K2 supplement, go to www.athleticgreens.com backslash autoimmune, or look in the notes of this podcast and you can find the link there. Trust me, you want to add Athletic Greens to your day. It makes such a huge difference.